We're going to turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. And we're going to read chapter 30. We're going to read from chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30, and I will read from verse 1 onwards. First Samuel chapter 30, from verse 1 onwards. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. I'm going to read verse 1 again. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag, on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. I want to stop right here, as the Holy Spirit wants me to. When you read the scripture, you see very clearly the God of heaven and earth, who is the God of David, whom David served so faithfully, was watching over David. He was watching over David's men for David's sake. He was watching over the people's families for David's sake. He was watching over all of them. Something happened. Where the enemy came, and he came to God, and he said, "Not all these details are not written here. But this is how it must have happened. Just like how it happened for Job. Nothing happens without the knowledge of the Father in heaven, and nothing happens in your life or in the life of any single believer who is really walking with God, without God's permission. And the permission that God gave, you see over here, was to carry all the women and those who were there from small to great, means the little ones to the elderly, all of them, as captives. That means they were all taken from where they were to somewhere else. No longer free, but as captives. They were all taken. But God had drawn a line. What was that line? They did not kill anyone. That's the line God drew there. You can take them as captives, but you cannot kill them. You can take them as captives, but you cannot kill them. There's a prophecy that God is speaking to our church at this hour. Whatever permission God has given to the enemy to take our loved ones as captive, there is a definite duration for that. And there's a definite command from the Lord to the enemy. A, B, and C you can do. D, you cannot do. And that's the line that he draws right there. Where he says, you cannot touch their lives. And it's the same thing God told Satan also when it came to Job. He said, you can touch his children, you can touch the property, you can touch his health, but you cannot touch his life. They came and took all these people away. 
somebody on the outside can say, something is wrong. Something is wrong with David. Look, God gave him up to his enemies. Very similar, right? Very similar situation. When you look at people who disobey God, God gives them over to their enemies. And then when you see God's people, God gave them over to their enemies. From the outside, it may look similar or it may even look worse from the outside. But when you really zoom in, you will see a big difference. When the Lord gives someone over to the enemy or to chastening, out of love, he's done with the people of Israel. Well, when they strayed, God gave them over to the enemies as chastening. When it happens, you'll see the outcome. Very different. You'll see that God is not in it. When somebody who's straight away from God goes through something, God is not in it. God is an outsider at that point until the people repent and turn to God. Then God rescues them and brings them out. That's a whole different story. But when somebody is righteous and they're persecuted for righteousness sake, they're working with God. And all of a sudden, you see, God gave them over to the enemy, just like a disobedient child of God. There's a different outcome that comes with People who are righteous are walking through that path. I'm going to show you that difference through the Spirit of God this night as the Holy Spirit wants you to understand. What's the point in us being faithful? What's the point in us following the Lord? If you go through the same thing as a disobedient rebel goes through. Or an unbeliever. In the case of an unbeliever, when an unbeliever goes through something, God is not in it at all. Period. They are run by the devil. Unless grace comes to them, God's grace comes to them, and they call out to God, God help me, and at that point God comes right there to help any human being. With the disobedient child who strayed away, God exerts discipline out of his love. He allows the enemy to come and take what belongs to them. He allows the enemy to come and smite them. We see that all over the Bible. Why does God give Israel over to the Babylonians? Why is God giving Judah over to the Philistines? So whoever comes, God raises up enemies. That's the difference. When it comes to the disobedient, rebellious, rebellious people of God, children of God, Out of God's love, whomever God loves, he chastens because his whole goal is to turn them towards the living God. At that point, what does God do? The Bible says he raises up the Assyrians to come against the children of Israel, to take them as captives. He raises up Babylonians. He raises up. He moves people to become the enemies of his own children so that they get punished. They feel pain. And they remember how good God was. They remember what they did was wrong and they repent and they cry out to God. Then God comes and rescues them. That's a whole different process. That's for those whom God loves and who've gone astray and God comes and he gives them a spanking. He gives them the discipline that is necessary in order to win them back to God so that they don't go to hell. That's the love of God. But then you have another whole category. 
where you have people of God who are really walking with God, like how Job did, like how David did. God did not raise enemies against God's people. He does not do that. These are his people. This is his heart. But what happens when the enemy comes and the enemy wants to do certain things? God has a plan. He says, I'm going to use the situation to smite you down so that my child can go forward to greater heights. So when you walk with God in obedience to God, and you're not straying away from the path of God, and God allows the enemy to come, to come take your daughter away, to take your sons away, to take your belongings away. All of a sudden something happens, like it happened to Job. All his children were gone. All his cattle were gone. Suddenly he became all sick in his body. From the outside somebody can say, well, Job must have done something wrong. That's what his friends also came and said, all religious, self-righteous friends. Had no leading of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. David's situation was very similar. He was doing the will of God. While doing the will of God, something happened. He comes and he sees everything gone. His men also see the same thing. But there's a difference. Number one, we see here that in this entire situation, God did not give the enemy to touch the lives of his people. They were given permission to take everybody away. Imagine how it would have been. See, trial is a trial only when you feel that it's a trial. Trial cannot be a trial if it's all comfortable and cozy and you feel like, oh, this is you know easy test and, and uh, I just enjoyed the ride. You can say that. Fire is fire. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you, God says. When you go through the river, it is river, but it's not going to go over you. Because God will be with you, God says. So, picture this. When the enemy came and took the women and the children away, think about this, how they would have felt. You think they would all celebrate? Oh, we're going to Canaan, we're going to some other country, we're going to a prosperous place, and today we're all going to have a buffet over there. No. Fear would have gripped their hearts. The men are not here. The people that we depend on, they're not here. Oh, God, help us. These are all people, so to speak, David's church, you can call it. All of a sudden, David was affected, David's family was affected, and his entire church was affected. Sounds very similar, right? God gave permission. Guess what? None of their lives were taken. None of their lives were touched. Nobody's life was touched by the enemy. Suddenly this happened, that happened. It was very scary for the people. All of a sudden, we were doing good. Everywhere David went, there was victory. Everywhere we saw all kinds of blessings. We were with David because we knew that we were on the right path. We were with David because we knew that God was with us. We left Saul and we came to David. Now, look what happened to us. Look what happened to our family. Look what happened to you. I, some of them wanted to kill David. 
This was an attack against the call of God upon David because the enemy knew that David was going to become the king. The enemy knew that God was going to use David at a much larger scale to touch many more people, entire Israel and beyond. So the enemy is saying, where can I bring an end? I can't use the heathen to come against David because he is winning over them all the time. Let me just raise people from within. Let me try to have them kill David. But no permission was given. If it was not given for the heathen, will it be given for the people over here? No. You must understand, if you're following the ways of the Almighty God, you will not be shaken as the Lord promised us last year. We will not be displaced. We will not be shaken. We will stand firm. And that's what happened to David. And all those who were with him, they saw the hand of God upon David's life. God did not let the enemy touch any one of his family members' lives didn't happen. They came close. They were held captives. Oh my God, you think the people of God, these are David's family members, how can they be held captives? Yes, they were. Under God's watch? Yes, they were. Who was watching over the people when they were held as captives? God. He was making sure, even though the enemy was holding them as captives, God was watching, making sure not a hair from their head will fall to the ground without his knowledge. He was just watching over them. Was it a pleasant experience? No. When someone comes and suddenly takes you, your children and all those, your parents and everybody with you, you think you're going to be rejoicing? No. You don't know where you're going. And the people who you are trusting, they're not with you. They went somewhere. Nobody's there to fight for you. You feel all alone. You feel helpless at that time. I'm sure all those people would have prayed because those were David's people. David was a man of God. And his family were with him. These are people who chose to be with him. They all would have said, Lord, send David soon. Lord, do something. Lord, they would have been expecting while the kept, while the people were taking the Amalekites were taking the people of God. On the way, they would have been thinking, "Lord, can you send David here? Can you send David here? Are our men going to come? Are they going to come here?" They would have been expecting help to come because these are the people of the living God. But it didn't come right away. It's not like they, they were just carried, held as captives, you know, for about one hour. And then David and his men came and they all fought and the battle was over. No, it didn't happen that way. It took a while. They were all gone. Verse 2. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. Gone. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. Oh my goodness. Think about it. Think about it. Look at it. People gone. Everything gone. And their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Look at the sight. They're coming home, doing the will of God. Now you come home, 
and you see this light, everything you had was gone. The place is burned. Now, it should make you wonder, did they die in it? What happened? And nobody is dead there. Where did they go? What happened to them? Everything they'll be going in the minds of the people. What are they doing to them? We don't know what they're doing to our wives. We don't know what they're doing to our children. We don't know what they're doing to our parents. We don't know what they're doing to our siblings. We don't know what's happening. Because those days, especially wartime prisoners, not a joke. People can get their hands cut off, eyes put out, killed. All kinds of things will happen. Imagine all the thoughts that it would have been going through the minds of these people while those people were having their own thoughts of what's going to happen to us next. God send us help. Will they be praying? Over here, think about all the things that would have gone through the minds of these people. You have one group of people who are held as captives. They go through their own emotional Turmoil and prayer to God during that time. Because now they are captives. Then you have the family of those who are held captives, where they're going through their agony of not seeing their loved ones, not knowing what's going to happen, and where they are. You don't know. Think about that. Both are going through two different types of Agony. Equally devastating if you don't have God. That's the key. Equally devastating if you don't have God in the picture. But these were people of God. So what happened? Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Normal human reaction. When something like this happens and somebody says, well, I'm very spiritual and so I'm going to dance all around. I will really look at them with great suspicion. Even Jesus wept. As human beings, we go through our normal emotions where when we see someone sick, we cry. When we see someone die, we cry. When we see someone suffer, we cry. We want to help when you're in a place where you cannot help and you're not able to. You feel shattered, but not without hope. That's where the difference is. David and his men, they all lifted their voices up and they wept. I'm sure David would have cried out to God. They cried until they had no more strength. Some of you would have gone through that. Some of you may have no clue about what that is. I know what that is. Where you cry to the point where you have no strength at all. But you cry at the feet of Jesus Christ. And then when that human strength fails, it's like this. This is what the Holy Spirit is showing me. It's a beautiful picture. It's like the um, you know, dual hybrid cars. When you run out of gasoline, the electric power kick, on, kick in. It's like that. When your human strength fails, when you're in the presence of God, 
suddenly the divine strength will kick in. When you weep at the feet of Jesus, something supernatural takes place as opposed to those who weep without hope. That's the difference. They lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. What happened to people? They were all with him. They all were very distressed about the people that were gone. They would also had his family gone. This is a similar picture of Moses in front of the Red Sea. With the people who were with Moses that Moses brought, and they were blessed by Moses, suddenly turned against Moses. They all, all wanted to kill Moses when they saw Pharaoh chasing after them. Well, they were chasing after Moses too. You see how strong, how strong self is for people? Until as long as they can get what they want to get, they keep getting. But when something they think that has gone wrong in their lives, they'll turn against the very vessel of God God has used. That's, that's what happens many times. That's the reason why true servants of God will not keep their eyes on people at all. They'll always keep their eyes on God. Because people will praise you one time, next time they will kill you. Next second they can turn against you. But when our eyes are on the living God, nothing is going to move. Because God has called us to do something and we keep doing the will of God. And these are the things that will happen in the lives of true servants of God. Just like how it happened in Moses, it happened in David's life. Just like how it happened in David's life, it happened in Job's life. If you look at every servant of God's life, there'll be faces and times when they'll go through this path. But God will stand with them. When the people wanted to stone David, they were filled with anger. Where did it come from? came from the devil. Why? Because these people saw the circumstances, saw it with hopelessness. They saw it with unbelief. They saw it with the eyes that Satan was projecting. Oh, all of them are dead. They're torturing them. And look what happened. Look what happened to you. You left everything. You followed David and look what happened to you. What did Satan bring? Anxiety, depression, anger, everything. All Satan's garbage came in. To who? God's people. There's a warning and you have to be very careful. It's important. Jesus went through this too. When the people came to him for bread and fish and miracles and everything. And where were they? When he was taken to the cross. Where were they? 
everyone fled and left him. One of his disciples even said that I don't know the man. The path of the true servant of God will be a lonely path, will be a path of isolation, yet not alone. Alone, yet not alone. That's the call of true servants of God. Alone, yet not alone, because God will be with them every step of the way. Even when people turn against them, God will be with them every step of the way. You have to keep this in your mind. Because each one of you, if you are longing to become vessels of God, you have to understand, these are all the paths that you'll all be going through. But God will stand with his servants who are true to him and prove himself to be his God. What happened here? You see the character comes. You know, I've said this before through the spirit of God. When problems come, when trials come, what's inside will be manifested on the outside. When the grapes are crushed, when you drink the juice, you will know whether the juice is from sour grapes or an average grapes or really, really, really sweet tasting, high quality, expensive grapes. Difference in quality. You have bad grapes that cannot be even used. Then you have sour grapes. Then you have, okay. Then you have good tasting ones. Then you have really the best one. Those are like the most expensive ones because it really tastes good. But where it's coming from, it's coming from wherever it's attached to. It's coming from that vine. It's coming from that fruit that's been bearing. Yeah, it's stepped on so that others can drink that juice. But we must understand one thing. The trials that we go through will reveal our true nature, our true character, how much of a Christian you are, how much of a Christ-like person you are, how much of Jesus is formed inside of you will show when trials come. That's the difference. Now, these people wanted to stone David, their leader, their pastor, their shepherd. They wanted to stone him because they said, look what happened to my family. Look what happened to me. Look what happened. They were all upset, grieved. How many times people do these things? Instead of getting mad at the enemy, instead of getting mad at those who came and took your family away and say, let's go and fight together. Instead of doing that, they turn against the living God. They complain against the living God. They want to stone the servant of God, which is going against God himself. They complain and they murmur instead of, Looking at the enemy for who he is and for what he did. People turn against God Almighty. But there's a difference here. David was not like that. David was not like that. David strengthened himself in God. So as he cried, what was happening to David? David was at the Feet of God Almighty. He cried also. They cried. He cried. There's a big difference. One is crying. One group, the group of people, everyone of them were crying 
out of desperation and out of anger and out of frustration. It opens the door to demonic spirits. There is a caution here. No matter what you go through, don't allow bitterness to come in. No matter what you go through, don't complain. No matter what you go through, don't talk negative talk. No matter what you go through, learn to cry at the feet of Jesus with faith. Not with hopelessness. When you go and cry bitter tears and complain, you know what happened? What will happen? Demonic spirits will enter in at that point. If Satan can enter into Peter and move him to speak things against Jesus, and all of a sudden Peter became like this wise, spirit-filled man, so to speak, saying, Jesus, these are things that should not happen to you. And he started rebuking Jesus. Oh, scary, isn't it? But it really happened. Any one of you can become that. If you don't watch and know where your place is in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter let pride come in. He thought, well, I know. Jesus knows I know. Jesus just said that. Oh, you have the spirit of God. Flesh and blood did did not reveal this to you. God revealed it to you. All of a sudden his head became big. No matter what God shows you. Always remember, it's like a little bud that is coming. Never give in to pride because God will squash that right there. It is important to let pride be under your feet all the time. All the time. Only then God's grace will abound because pride will come before a fall. God resists the proud. Wherever God sees pride, He will knock that person off right away. He will take what he gave right away. Because pride is a trait of Lucifer. It doesn't belong to God. It doesn't belong to the house of God. Whatever God gives you, whatever spiritual experience God gives you, whatever you're getting from God, know that it's from the hand of God. And the more humble I am, the more God will increase me. But if you give room to pride, what Satan would want, because if Satan wants you to forfeit what God has given, he'll bring pride. That's the way he can take it. He'll bring unbelief and pride. Those are the two big snares for many people. He'll bring unbelief just to doubt what God has given. Oh, is it from God? I don't think it's from God. Maybe it's not from God. Or he'll give pride. Oh, look at me. I'm seeing. I'm hearing. Look at me. God is speaking. And here you go. Boom. Next second. Two things, two snares you have to watch out for all the time. Be very careful. Be someone who will give God the glory for everything. And be someone who would not give in to doubt and unbelief. You know, there are some people who say, I'm giving God the glory, but meantime will be glorifying themselves. Be very careful. David was very different. David strengthened himself in the Lord. When he cried, there was something happening. There was a glorious supernatural exchange that was taking place between God and himself. God was collecting all his tears in his bottle and God was filling David up with his power. Grand exchange, isn't it? When you go through trials and you shed tears and you shed tears at the feet of Jesus, he collects all your tears in his bottle. It's all collected. Why? He sees all of that. God sees those and he takes vengeance upon our enemies. He doesn't keep all our tears and say that, well, you know, there's an exhibition over here. I'm seeing how many, you know, bottles of tears you have. No. 
it stands before him as a memorial where he will take vengeance over our enemies. He fills us with his strength. God fills us with his strength. You shed tears at his feet. He collects them in his bottle and he keeps that and he fills you with his strength. He takes vengeance over our enemies. So something happened to David that did not happen to the rest of the people. Understand this. It's not an automatic thing. Oh, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So automatically I become strong. No, it doesn't happen. There's no automatic process. You need to program yourself through the spirit of God in the presence of God. Where if you have enough, if everything is working, then it'll automatically kick in. If you are not a hybrid car, then it's not going to happen. You can't say, well, all Hondas will do that. No, it doesn't happen. No. You need to be made for that. God has to mold you. You need to be in the hands of the Almighty God. When I am weak, then I am strong. Apostle Paul can say that. Yes. Because he was someone who had given himself over to God all the time. His body was consecrated to God. His body was broken down, beaten down for the sake of Christ. He was someone who never lived for himself. It's very easy when you see people just take scripture here, scripture there, encode it and use it wherever they want to, not knowing the context behind it, not knowing who it is for and who can appropriate that. Very important. Very important. Very, very, very important. To understand the nature of God, the power of God, in order to inherit what God has, in order for his power to flow through your body, your body should be kept sacred and holy before God Almighty. In order for the Spirit of God to flow through you, you must be consecrated, set apart for God Almighty. David was such a person. Very different from the people. Yet the people all followed him, but they did not have what David had. Not a single person came and said, well, David, don't worry, we'll pray. Don't worry, we'll fight with you. That's how they should have been. They should have said during this time, we'll fight with you. No. All of a sudden, they wanted to kill David. All of a sudden, they wanted to stone him. I don't want to go. My family is getting affected. I'll just stay home. This is the problem. There's some people like that. I don't want to get involved in this. There are some, some people who turned against David. In David's case, all of them turned against him. But something happened. David didn't lose these people and he didn't lose those people. A real man of God. Someone who strengthened himself for the very men who were going to stone him. And for his people and their people to be brought back. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't say, well, God, I can't take this anymore. This is too much for me. And why why did you call me to be a leader, Lord? I was just a shepherd and I was just by myself. And, you know, I could have just had a family and I could have just stayed there just like my brothers. And now look at me. I'm wandering from place to place. And now these fellows, they want to kill me too. God, I didn't ask you for this. He didn't say that. You know why? Again, write this down. His focus was not on himself. David's focus was not on David. Most people's focus is on themselves. 
That's why when something goes wrong, oh Lord, poor me, look at me, what I'm going through, you know, it's all about me. They sing, it's all about me, it's all about me, Lord Jesus, it's all about me. That's their song. It's self-worship that comes out during trials. The focus is me. Me, me, me. Poor me. Satan is very happy. He said, go on, go on, worship yourself more. I'll, you know, bring you the incense and, you know, tambourines and whatever you need. Violin and sorrow music, sad music, whatever it is. I'll play them for you. Go on, go deep into depression. Go deep into anxiety. Go on, keep looking at yourself. And the more you keep looking at yourself, he'll make the whole place smoky for you. Where you can't even see anything in front of you. All that the Lord had done all this time. Everything is covered with what? The smoke that is around there that you created yourself. By keeping your eyes on yourself and worshiping yourself. Oh, Lord, look at me. They even make God to look at themselves. All of a sudden, their eyes are off of God and they have to look at themselves. Everybody has to look at themselves and God has to look at themselves. It's me. It's no longer Christ that liveth, it's I that liveth. That's how the scripture changes for them. Very dangerous place to be in. That's what happened with the men who are with David. What did that turn them into? It turned them into somebody worse than unbelievers because these are people who know God. They knew that God's anointing was upon David. They knew that God had called him. And they came and all of a sudden they wanted to kill him. It's a very, very dangerous place to be in. But God had mercy. God showed these very people who David was even more. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Underline the words, his God. David's focus was God. Though he saw what happened, though he was affected deeply, and his heart was sorrowful as to what happened, he didn't drown in sorrow. He was not hopeless. His eyes were not upon him. He was not living for him, nor he was not living for the people. He was living for God. And as he cried in the presence of God, he strengthened himself in the Lord. If you read his Psalms, you will say how he recount all the things that the Lord did before, how he praised him. David was a worshiper of God, just like how Job was. You know, there's something beautiful about those who really worship, and we saw what worship is on Sunday. Those who really worship God, no matter what happens, nothing will face them. No matter what happens, the presence of God is always surrounding them because they're worshipers of God. True worship brings the presence of God to where we are. Nothing could move David here. God's strength filled him. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then something happens here. Let's read verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now ephod is something that shows the will of God. And the priest brings it. So David was not someone who said, well, God is with me. He's always with me and I know what to do. Let's go. Let's just go roam around and see where they are. No. David. It was someone who sought the Lord for everything. He didn't do his own counsel. He didn't seek his own thing. But he sought the Lord in every stage of his life. 
good times and bad times. There are some people when they're going through something, they want the will of God, but when they have what they want, all of a sudden, that's what they want. Doesn't matter whether God approves of it or not. We should not be like that. There are some people who say, well, I want to know the will of God, but in their heart of hearts, they already have decided what they want to do. And they're looking for confirmation that will confirm what they want to do. Let me tell you, Satan will give you plenty of confirmations. If you already decide which way to go and just look for God to affirm that or confirm that, God will not give you confirmation. Satan will give you confirmation. That's where the delusion will come and just lead you completely astray. If you really want to know the will of God, you have to come to God without any agenda. Lay everything down. That means in the heart of hearts, you should be willing to do whatever God will tell you to do. So David inquired of the Lord, verse 8, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? That means if God would have said, don't go, then he wouldn't have. God knew his heart. And he answered him, who answered? God answered him through the priest when he had the ephod. Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. God is saying, you're going to pursue, overtake, and recover everything. That means you're not going to lose anything. Until then, God is holding everybody's life lives. He did not allow the enemy to touch the lives of his people. He did not. They were carried away. But now God is moving David to go. Even though he felt that nudge, even though he felt that move of God, he didn't say, well, I have this feeling, so I'm going to pursue with that feeling. I'm going to pursue that direction with a feeling that God is giving, because I know God is leading me. He was not an independent person who did his own thing. It's a trap for many people who just feel like, I feel God is leading and they just go. But David was not like that. What made David a leader? He was a follower of God. And he knew how to follow God's protocol. He sought the will of God here. And even though in his heart he felt, I need to go, but I need to find out. I need to know for sure. And he went to the priest and he said, Inquire of the Lord for me. And I want to know the will of God. And God spoke to him. We must be like David. In every situation, our heart should be doing the will of God, knowing the will of God. doesn't matter. Because people be very hasty when something like this happens. They want to go and they want to get, you know, their loved ones, you know, free out of this. And I don't, I don't want to waste another minute. And I'm not going to go to the priest and I'm not going to ask him, you know, whether it's the will of God or not. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and rescue. And I know God will be with me. We are God's people. There are people like that. Unfortunately, a lot of times their decisions are wrong. They will send a text and they will not wait until God responds before the servant of God can even reply. Oh, it took one day. Oh, it took two days. And then they'll take their own route, do their own thing. Don't be hasty. Be like David. When you seek God for direction, wait until God speaks to you. If you don't hear from him, that means he has not spoken. Wait. Don't get mad. God is God. When God wants you to do something, He'll make sure that you're ready for it. 
if he has to wait so that you get ready, he will wait. It's important for you to wait and find out from God what God wants you to do. So he found out, even though his people were there, even though these men were going to kill him, David was not someone who hastily ran, oh, they're going to kill me, and oh, they're going to die over there, and I'm not going to consult the priest, I'm just going to go. No, he was not like that. No matter how pressing the need was, no matter how distressing the situation was, David was someone who exhibited patience. You see the fruit of the Spirit here. He had faith in God. God has everything under control. These guys cannot kill me. Those guys cannot kill my people. Period. He had that faith. He knew with God, I shall do valiantly. That's how he was able to write that. It is he who shall tread down my enemies and he is with me. Praise be to God. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, (laughs) the very same guys who wanted to stone him. Now they're all going with him. Now, what happened to them? God subdued them. God subdued them. He said, quiet down and follow my servant. Go. You want your people? Go. Follow. And what happens here? And they came to the brook, Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. I'm going to read over here again. David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook, Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. And you know, some people were left behind, they stayed there, and they come in contact with them. But David pursued he and the 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook. They the whole people, the whole lot, were not able to go. But how did David have that strength? How did David have that strength? He was just like them. Some were able to go, some were not able to go, but David was able to go. And within the people who were able to go, they were the ones who wanted to kill him. But you see, the strength of God, this man was so different. He had the physical drive and the grace from God to do the impossible now, all these people were trusting him and they're going with him. You know why? Because they know God is with him. If you give yourself over to the Lord, God can make you into a vessel of honor just like David. Whether some people will follow you or stay with you or not stay with you or want to kill you or not kill you or whatever it is, you can, one person alone, Make the choice by faith to obey God Almighty and go into the territory that God has for you to recover that which God has for you by pursuing the will of God. That's the key, by pursuing the will of God. David didn't do anything outside the will of God. His his priorities were right. He was not someone who said that, well, This is what my need is, so I'm going after it. No. Even though his family was held captive and his men were going to kill him, he was someone who pursued the will of God. Regardless of what he faced, he pursued the will of God. Very different 
from the men he saw. Now, we see here, the people who went, some stayed behind, verse 9 and 10, you see here. And then you see someone that's there in verse 11, where God orchestrates everything in the life of God's people. Verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. There's a messenger. There is a pointer. There's someone that God has left over there. In order to bring the information that was necessary for David, in order to go to where he needs to go to and get the victory the way God wanted him to. So now they see this Egyptian and they bring him to David and they gave him food and drink and everything. He must have been very tired and they're almost passing out or whatever. And they are giving him everything, getting him to a place where he can talk. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisin. What they gave him, they're saying here. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. So this explains it. He was physically uh, in a state where... He was not able to function. Three days, no food and no water. That's a very um, dangerous place to be in with dehydration and no food. But God kept this man alive. And God kept him in that spot in order for his people to receive what they needed to receive to get to where they need to go. Whatever happens in our lives, when God allows the enemy to take what belongs to us for a brief period of time, he will arrange things for us in the process. He'll use heathen. He'll use his people. He'll use whomever it is. He'll orchestrate people at different stations. He'll send help from heaven to bring that victory that needs to come to us. So this Philistine boy that they're seeing here is the first stage of victory that David got already. When God brought this person, it's like the puzzle piece. First problem solved because God had him stationed right there. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Isn't that very interesting? The God of the Hebrews did not stop the Amalekites from taking David's people and his family. But at the same time, he got one person sick from their camp so that he can be left behind so that he can give the news to David. Why? 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 Because God had a greater objective here. 
God had a greater agenda here. God had something far greater for David after this trial. He was going to exalt David. He was going to bless David all the more for his faithfulness. And you also see the character of David. It is a blessing to all of us who read this passage. Many people would have read this. Many people would have been blessed by this. God has kept David's life as such a big blessing to many, many people. And this Liglak was not just an isolated story. Okay, he got blessed and he recovered everything and he had a great spoil and that's it. No. It is forever a blessing to many, many, many generations of God's people. Where many people's faith gets strengthened. And God speaks to many people through what happened to David. Look how David's life has been a never-ending blessing. Your life can be like that. Far after you're gone. Far after I'm gone. Long after we're gone. Our lives can be a blessing. Not only our trials that we go through now will bring us great victories here while we're here for us and for those who are with us and those whom we come in contact with our testimonies can bless but even long after we're gone our lives can bless thousands and thousands and thousands of people from one generation to the other generation to the other generation if we stay true to God Almighty that in the trial in the midst of our trials What is inside comes out. The precious faith. The genuine work of God. What the potter has done. What the potter's hand has done. And what kind of a vessel that we have become. It's all into the glory of God. And here, three days ago, this happened. And so, he was sick. And they left him. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah into the southern area of Caleb and we burned Ziglag with fire. Oh boy. He gave the whole information here. Imagine how David would have felt when he was hearing this. He said, oh, you fellas came here. These Amalekites came. Now David got the information before you. David had no clue. See, it didn't happen this way. David didn't go to the priest. And the priest then said, well, you go when you recover all. Well, by the way, the Amalekites came this way and they took these are the ones and they are by this north side and they are standing there and go this way. The whole information was not given. A lot of times many people want the whole information. Lord, just show me. <laughs> we all want that, right? Don't we? Then God is so gracious with us. He doesn't cater to our hasty behavior. It's very important. God leads us step by step because he's more interested in building your character than giving you what you want at the moment. He wants to mold your character to make you just like Jesus. David didn't get a vision suddenly. When this happened, David cried at the feet of Jesus, cried at the feet of God Almighty. And then all of a sudden, boom, an angel stood in front of David and he said, Oh, my son, these people came from this side and they're going. No, he didn't get a revelation. He didn't get a vision. He didn't get a dream. No prophecy. He didn't get the detail. But when I say no prophecy, it's not the whole information. That's what I meant. But he got just enough what he needed to. Should I go, Lord? 
Should I pursue? He said, go. And God didn't say, go. No. He said, go. You will overtake them and you will recover all. So what David needed, that information was given. Now the details of that information, God is giving it as a surprise to David. You know how thrilling that is. And God gives us just what we need. And then as we go, we depend on God step by step by step. And every step, God shows us something. He shows us what is happening. He reveals to us what is going on. And then he shows us what we need to do. Every step of the way. The hand of God. The hand of God. The hand of God. And every step of the way, we give God the glory. We give God the glory. We give. We say, thank you, Lord, for this step. Thank you, Lord, for this Egyptian Boy, thank you, Lord, for this information. That's how David would have been. Now, with that, they go forward. This is how our journey is on the face of the earth. We may not see everything. We won't see everything all the time. Only God can see everything all the time. But God will show us enough, just enough, so that we can take that and just do that. You know, our minds are like so small, our capacity is so little, that if God comes and says, then we'll be there, after that, what do you say? We'll be like that. And the worst part is, we will add our own, ding, ding, dang, 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 we'll add our own stuff to it and mess up big time. This is why God gives us enough information that we need. That's enough. If you take, if you can take five spoons, he won't stuff ten spoons in your mouth and say, follow it. No. He'll give you just five spoons. That's how gentle our God is. You take that five spoons and you can digest, good for you. Then he'll increase your capacity to ten spoons. You know, have you seen babies? You put them on the high chair and give them their baby food. They'll be looking at mommy, daddy's food, brother, sister's food. And they'll be tapping and saying, give me that. What did the mother do? Oh, my darling, I really love you so much. Come, I'll give you beef steak. You're only 10 months old. Put it in the child's mouth? No. No good parent in their right mind would do that. But they give what the child can take, no matter how beautiful the child looks, no matter how the child cries. You give only what the child can handle. That's how God is with us. He gives us exactly what we can handle. No matter how we say, Lord, I can, Lord, you know, you can trust me, Lord. And he knows, oh, you talk a lot, but I know exactly how much you can handle. I see right through your heart. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Think about it. What does that mean? It means that God is good and he is for your good. And he wants to do what is good for you. So when he gives one sentence, instruction, just do that one sentence. Just follow it. If he says, go, you will overcome, you will overtake and you'll recover everything. Just go. Even if you don't know which way to go, he told you to go, start going. But he should tell you to go. If he didn't tell you to go, don't go on your own. God gave information while he was gone. Hearing from God and doing just what God told him to do. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? 
So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you down to this troop. God put fear in this Philistine's heart to do what David wanted him to do, which was to take him right to the enemies who took his people from him. That's the favor of God and the fear of God. The Bible says the fear of Israel goes before his people. When you go through a path and you feel everything is gone, but God tells you to do something and you simply do it, you just see God overturn everything one by one by one. Even though these are God's people, you don't see all of a sudden supernatural chariots come and then they all got in the chariots and, or you don't see a big hail came and all the Amalekites died and all of David's family, they all came running back to where they were. No. I mean, it's fair, it's, it'll be like fairy tale if it happens like that. That's not how it happens. How are we going to grow then? God didn't do that. Even though God can do that, if He can send one angel to kill more than a hundred and, hundred thousand people, the enemies of God. God can do that every single time, but he chooses not to. According to the faith and according to the situation, God will act, his plans work. Because it happened that way doesn't mean that everywhere David went, that uh, God sent an angel and all of a sudden, David just had to get up and all the enemies fell flat on the ground. No. No. There are certain wars that we see. God fought where while the enemies were confused and they were killing themselves, all of a sudden God sent hell and and God actually killed people and there were more people who died from the hell than from the sword, the Bible says. There's certain times God does that. There's certain times God leads like this too. There's a beauty in each way that God leads because it's very unique. Everything depends on faith and how God leads you know, David went with the sling and with the stone in front of Goliath, and we see this, he did this, and then he did this, and then he fell. You don't see he did this after that, no. You don't see everywhere he goes, he just goes with a sling, and he goes, you know, with some stones in his you know, pocket, and he goes, no, no. Then there's a change that happens. With what he was killed at, with what he was skilled at and with what he was familiar with and what he gave himself over to sincerely, God just took that and put it to full use. That's the anointing of God. But then God moves him forward. Where he was not somebody who took the sword. He was not somebody. But the first time he took the sword was Saul, was Goliath's sword. Not even Saul's sword. He couldn't even pick up Saul's sword and Saul's armor. But his anointing of God did something in him. Well, once the stone went and brought Goliath down, he had that supernatural power where he was able to run into this giant that was dead. Took his huge sword and was able to lift it up and was able to chop off his head. That's the power of God. And that was manifested in that little body when you compare it with Goliath's. God uses 
ordinary people to do extraordinary things, but they are no longer ordinary. And they give themselves over to God. And that extraordinary spirit of God comes into them. They stand out among the crowd. They're extraordinary. That's why you have Hebrews 11, full of extraordinary people, men and women of God, who did extraordinary things. They were not ordinary people. They were extraordinary people. Because the extraordinary spirit of God was in them. They were people who just gave themselves over to God. If you look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is full of people who took their eyes off of themselves and kept their eyes on God. They were never people who were looking at themselves. It was all about God. When the body was dead, he did not look at his body. He looked at God. When the lions were there, he did not look at the lions, but through his faith in God, he stopped the mouths of the lion. You just look at, go over Hebrews 11, you'll see. These are all people who did not keep their eyes on themselves, but kept their eyes on God Almighty. We're going to conclude in a couple of minutes as the Holy Spirit wants me to. You want to be someone who just doesn't just live for today and just live a mediocre life. It doesn't have to be a pathetic life where it's full of defeat, but yeah, I had this now, you know, we're managing. Yeah, this is better now. Or are you living an extraordinary life where you're just seeing God do miracles? Yes, we have battles, but just we see substantial miracles. Just we have battles, but we see God come through in a powerful way. That's David's life. That's Daniel's life. That's Joseph's life. That's the lives of Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Esther. The people of God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Apostle Paul. Verse 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Well, God allowed them to celebrate. Go, go ahead. You have my people. You have them as captives. Now, the people of God are there praying, Lord, someone deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. The little ones are all scared. The elderly are scared. Everybody is praying, Lord, help us. And the mothers would have told the children, just pray, pray to God. God will deliver us. Somehow David will come. Our daddy will come. Our uncle will come. They would have been telling, encouraging. But when the people of God were wailing and crying and saying, Lord, help us, Lord, help us. Who's partying? The enemy is partying. Hey, look, we got them. Look at us. Our God is great. They were all rejoicing at the victory that they got, supposedly. Think about that. That's how the enemy is. Temporarily he rejoices. He says, hey, I got your son, I got your daughter, I got this, I got that. Hey, look, I got your money, I got this, and I took this from you, and look, at, I caused this loss, and hey, hey, look at me. All so happy, dancing around and partying. God says, go on, go on, keep partying, go on. Why? Because God is going to shock them. David is coming with his men. David is coming with his men. Every day, every step coming closer is death threat for the enemies, but the enemy is not aware of that. That's how our God works. That's how he works. That's how he works. That's how powerful he is. You know, he can send an angel and he can get things done, but you know what? He wants you to be a partaker of the victory. He wants you to fight. 
and have that joy of getting that victory because you were used by God to fight and obtain the victory. That's why you don't have Hebrews 11 full of angels' names or just said, God did, God did, God did. You have human beings' names and these are giants in faith used by God full of human beings' names, extraordinary men and women of God. Their names God found worthy of putting it all over the Bible and in Hebrews 11. You should be like that. You should be like that. You should be people of God. But God will count you worthy to utter your name upon his lips. Not only on the day when you enter in, but right here while you're on the face of the earth. To the enemy that's rejoicing now, his glee, his joy is only for a short time. Very short-lived. When we are crying, they are laughing. But soon their laughter will be turned into mourning and our mourning will be into dancing. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Verse 17. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Think about that. This is war. This is war. David had to fight. His men had to fight a considerable amount of time. It's not that they went and one hour it was over. No, it was a battle that took place from the twilight until the evening of the next day. A long time, many hours they fought. How did David have that strength? He cried until he had no more strength. How did he have that strength? Because he strengthened himself in the Lord. He got that supernatural strength to be able to go and fight when some people were not able to. He was able to move forward. He was able to fight for such a long time and win. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. He took pretty much all of them down except for a small portion. Verse 18, very important. And Number 18 is very important. Remember, the verse is not here. Coincidentally, God put it here. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and rescued his two wives. There's a promise God is giving to you. There's a year of restoration. This is a year God has promised us. God will restore. David recovered everything. All that he lost including his two wives, verse 19, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoiled or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Everything that David lost, David recovered everything from the enemy. It is important, verse 20. Then David took all the flock and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said this is David's spoil so God gave much more in addition to what he lost he recovered everything and he recovered much more and 
what was it called? This is David's spoil. God put David's name there. Why? Because in the midst of all of that, David was one man who looked to God, looked to God, looked to God, looked to God, persevered, looked to God. Through tears, he had faith and he persevered. Through opposition, he was not hasty, but he sought the will of God. When the will of God was revealed, he was not tired and weary, but he pursued the will of God. And he fought until he overcame. He did not give up. God's extraordinary strength was revealed through David. That's the difference between a person who is going through a great ordeal, a person who is going through a great trial because God allowed it to happen because they're faithful from someone who is being chastened by God. You see that? One thrives, the other one will get crushed and barely, but when they repent, God will restore. These two are two separate things that we see in the Bible. Wherever you stand, if you're in the place where you're facing chastening because of God's love, then you have to repent and you come back, God will restore. But if you are going through something because you're walking with God, know this for sure. Make sure you follow the will of God and God will restore to you and give you much more. And it'll be called David's spoil or your spoil that God will give to you. Because of what you've labored, because of how you persevered, because of what you sowed, you will reap. And that'll be your spoil. That's a blessing that comes from God. That's the honor that God gives to all those who will pursue God with all their hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow. Now you see the people who stayed behind, there's a group who could not. He's coming to them and look at the nature of God revealed through David, who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook, Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Do you see why God has put these words in here? Because these people were the ones who actually wanted to kill David. Though they went with him, their whole focus was themselves. I need to get, you know, mine back. I need to get mine back. David was not like that. And these people, though they went with him, their hearts were not right. God gave victory because of David, not because of these men. Victory was given to David, and it was called David's fault because of David's integrity, because of David's faithfulness, not because of these people. And now you see their behavior come over here, verse 22. And all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. We have recovered. Except for every man's wife, children, that they may lead them away and depart. All the Bible says David recovered all. Uh, These people are trying to take glory to what God gave to David because of David. And now they're trying to say, we don't want to give to these people who didn't go. We're not going to give. Their whole focus is me. I want to take everything. I want to keep everything. Let them just take their wives and their children. I don't want to give anything else that we brought from here. 
they shouldn't have a share in that. That was self-centered. Very different from David, even though they stayed with David. May we never be like that. The nature of Christ should be formed. Otherwise, there's no point. The nature of Christ should be formed. The fruit of the Spirit should be there. Otherwise, there's no point in following Christ or calling ourselves Christians. But David said, look at this. My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. See, he didn't say what the Lord has given me. His focus, even though God blessed him, and it's called David's spoil, and David's name is there. David was somebody who was so humble. He said, this is something God has given to us. He's including these worthless people and saying, God has given to all of us who has persevered and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For you will heed you. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is to go, but as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. Look at his heart. God gave the wisdom to say this. You guys went to the war and these people took care of this. Now, you all get equal share. David could have just simply said that, well, you guys, you want to kill me. Take this and get out. Go. He didn't do that. He kept all these people with him. That's the heart of Christ revealed in the Old Testament through the life of David. How much more we who are living in the New Testament should bear the spirit of Christ. God has given his spirit to us freely. We need to be like Jesus. We need to be willing to give everything. We need to be willing to share. We need to be willing to be like Jesus. We need to be willing to wait on the Lord and also bear with the weakness of one another. See, that's what we see over here. Even though these people were like this, David bore with the weakness of those people. Even though they wanted to kill him, David forgave. And David gave what God gave to him to them. It was the spirit of Christ working in David. David didn't take vengeance on them. He said, okay, now I got my stuff and you got your stuff. Get out. You try to kill me. I can't trust you anymore. He didn't do that to them. You know why? Because his trust was in God all along. We need to be people of God whose heart and soul and mind should be on him. You will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Well, that came from David's life. We see it played out not only here in many places in his life. May God help us to be people of integrity, people of humility, people of God's love, who be able to forgive and move on so that others can be blessed. See, David's focus was this. Even though you guys want to kill me, I want to, I want you to become inheritors of what God has given this day. Even though you people wanted to do this to me, I want to see you grow. I want to see you become what God wants you to be. I want you to also inherit. How many of you have that heart? A lot of times feel like, oh, I got burned and I got burned here, I got burned here, I got burned there. And so I don't want to be burned. And the focus is what? Me again. Imagine if Jesus would tell that about you. You need to learn to bear with the weaknesses of one another. I'm not talking about you compromising with unbelievers and 
and going into lion's den where God is not there. I'm talking about bearing the weaknesses and, and the mistakes of those who call themselves believers and those who are believers and who are living with you and those who are in the household of faith. It's important to be forgiving. It's important to be people of God who will share, who will give what God has given to you without withholding anything back. That's the spirit of Christ. Should be looking for the welfare of others, especially those who are in the household of faith. The more you are elected, the more God will lift you up, the more God will bless you because God sees you're fit to be a leader. You're fit to be someone because your eyes are not on you. That's the quality of a genuine leader or servant of God. When the eyes are not on themselves, but always for the people. Eyes are upon God and always for the people. Live for God and for the people that Christ died for. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now, when David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jader, those who were in Error, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtemoth, those who were in Rachel, those who were in the cities of Jeremilites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in the cities of Horma, those who were in the cities, there's, there's a reason why I'm reading all of this, those who were in Korshan, those who were in Atka, those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and all his men were accustomed to rove. The blessing of God, the victory of God, and God gives. The praises of God goes everywhere. It's a testimony. Wherever he's giving the spoil and say, here, see what God has done to his enemies. See what God has done to his enemies. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. He's sharing it with everybody. God gives you a victory. Are you keeping it to yourself? Or are you sharing it with everybody? Be someone who's generous in spreading the word of God. Be someone who's generous in sharing your testimony with everybody. Don't just keep it to just one small group. You know, there are people who come to um, our Bible studies and church. All the testimonies just will be in church. But when you are outside in other places, there's no mention of the church, no mention of the pastor, no mention of the testimonies, no mention of what God has done. It's all very generic David was not like that. That's why God blessed David so much. He was true to what God had given for him. He was true. You share the testimony here, share the same testimony everywhere. Don't alter it. Don't hide it. Because it's not right before God. If the Lord has healed you in a certain place and God has delivered you in a certain place, don't try to hide the light of that place. Anytime you cover that church name or the pastor's name, you are covering the light that God has put in that church and put through the servant of God to shine. And because of that, you got to receive that light and you were blessed. So don't do it because it's an abomination before God. 
the way you give testimony here, that should be the way you give testimony there. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. You'd be playing double game. God is bringing here. I'm not saying anybody's doing that, but there's a reason why the Spirit of the Lord is speaking, and I'm just saying what God is saying here. Be true to your God. Be true to the house of God God has placed you. Be true to the servants of God God has placed you under. And you'll be blessed in all things, as David was blessed here. Even though the enemy came to take his stuff away, it was allowed by God Almighty. It was allowed by God Almighty with a mark that God placed that. You cannot go past this. And with the provision God made, while this was happening, he got a person sick there and made him stay there. With the information that was needed, that all those plans that God had would have not come to pass if David would have behaved just like the rest of the people. Became angry and bitter and everything. He'd have lost the blessing, but David was not like that. Because he was someone who was walking with God. He was a man after God's heart. As long as he walked with him, as long as he lived holy, he was a man after God's heart. May you be like that. May you decide to be like that in this new year. Say, Lord, I want to take my eyes off of myself. I want to place my eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to look at my circumstance. No matter what happens, I'm going to have the understanding that if I'm walking with him, living right, then God has allowed it and God has marked a line. It's not going to get past this. It's not going to get past this. I'm not going to be defeated. No, there's no defeat of those who walk in the path of the cross. God is very faithful. He's very, very faithful. You know, there's no defeat of those who walk in the path of the cross. It's my signature line that the Lord gave me all the time. I use it. There's a reason for that. There's a big testimony behind that. God wants me to share it here. And God also wants me to share it one day during the life training school, which I will repeat as the Spirit of the Lord is bringing before me. This was several years before when we first began, probably 2015 or so, probably, or beginning of 2016, I believe, early part, February, I believe, beginning, when I was very sick, very, very sick. And um, it was snowing. The weather was really bad, freezing, and I was extremely sick uh, with very high fever. It's not like 120, it was very high fever. And um, I was shaking, a lot of cold and cough, and, and it was a Sunday. So this was time when we began having church services, and it was in Stanley and Jensi's apartment at that time, because the Lord said you have to have it in Port Jervis. Before we rented St. Peter's Lutheran Church, we had um, the service there. I think it was three months. I'm not sure. But um, there was a specific duration, the Lord said, and and uh, we had it there. And so that Sunday, I was very sick. There's no way humanly possible that you can even get up from the bed. It was so bad. And um, Pastor Padip had texted them and he said, Pastor Kirby is very sick. I don't think we'll be able to make it. But in my spirit, I knew I have to be in the house of God. I mean, those who have known me this far, no matter what sickness it is, you know, I'll be there. 
this was very bad. And um, it was at that time I heard this from the Lord. So clearly, audible voice of God, very clearly. There's no defeat to those who walk in the path of the cross. And the Lord said, go, I'll be with you. And um, I remember telling Pastor Deep, I said, I'll go. How I'm going to get up and how I'm going to walk and I'm going to go, God will carry me. He said, it's very, very, you're very sick and it's extremely cold outside. I don't know how you would even make it to the, to the van. And he said, God will help. And I remember I inched my way even to get ready to get to the car. All to the right, it was very, very painful and difficult. The whole bones, everything. It was like somebody really um, hit you. It was a very bad virus, you can say, but it's an attack of the enemy. It was so bad. And so much of coughing and pain, head to toe, and shaking, shivering. You know, in the very cold weather, we all went as a family. And we went there, and after we entered there, we took the guitar. Nobody knew, nobody had a clue how sick I was. Nobody was able to even see. The Spirit of the Lord carried me to do the worship, to give the word. And after we came back to the vehicle, the whole symptom, everything came back. But God gave me the grace and the power to do his work and come back. And that's where that statement came, the audible voice of God. There's no defeat to those who walk in the path of the cross. That means Satan can try to keep you from doing my work, but that's not going to happen. You go, I'll be with you. What God wanted me to do was accomplished. Now, somebody can say that, well, there's only one family there. There's only a few people there. You could have just done a phone conference. You know, you could have done any of those things. You didn't have to go. That's what ministry is. That's what God's work is. And we go. Many times with shaking, I've come and stood on even St. Peter's Lutheran Church, which is our family and Jesus' family. God came through. I remember doing women's meeting for one person. It was only Jinsi on the phone. Full pink eye, couldn't open the eye, eye swollen, completely closed and high fever. Pink eye and fever. With that women's meeting, what will people do? It's only one person. We'll do it another day. No, the Lord didn't lead me that way. God gave the word. I couldn't open my Bible and read. I had Jinsi read it. And I gave the word. This is how God has led us. This is what real ministry is. And if we see healings and deliverance taking place, it's not without a cost. It's not simply, oh, somehow we pray and somehow we just get something and somehow the gifts of the Spirit operate. It's not somehow. There's a high price to pay. But it's worth it. David had a high price to pay. The moment he was anointed by Prophet Samuel... He had to run. All his brothers stayed home, but David had to run from one place to another, place to another, place to another, place to another place. Yes, he had this big victory with Goliath through the anointing of God. He had many victories with the lion, with the bear and all kinds of stuff. But then nobody could stop Saul from coming after him because God gave permission to Saul. Go. Go after David, but did not give Saul permission to touch David's life. 
he ran and 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 ran. How long? But all through those wandering years, God went with David here, there, 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 everywhere David went. Who was going with him? God was going with him. Everywhere he went, God was giving him victory here, victory there. But he had to fight and he had to fight and he had to fight and he had to fight. When his brothers were like sleeping at home and eating and being with their wives and with their kids, David had to fight and fight and fight and move and move and move and move and move. It was the price that David had to pay. Do you know what? In none of his brother's names, you know, there's David's throne. The Messiah came through David's line. You have David's Psalms. You have so much more. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is the question that the Holy Spirit is asking you today. If you just look at all the one and say, oh, and I just want to, you can stay home. You can sleep. But do you want to be used of God? Then you have to pay a price. You need to have a character for it. Oh, well, a little pain. Then, oh, I can do this, but not that. And you won't be fit for the kingdom of God. I want to do my own thing. I can't wait. Then you cannot serve God. But if you want to serve God, be like Jesus. Be like the true men and women of God in the Bible who will not look back. If God says go, they will go. And I thank God for Pastor Deep. There was someone who would do whatever God would tell him to do. If he knows God said this, that's it. No questions asked. He would just go with it. Take that risk. God has blessed him for that. And he continues to. We need to be people of character. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Whether you understand or not, just do it. And it'll be a blessing for you. And you too will have your own spoil. Just like how David had his spoil. You too will recover everything and have much more. And you'll have your own spoil. God has our own spoil for each and every one of us. But are we willing to go after it? Are we like David or are we like the rest of the people? God wants to leave you with that question for tonight. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He who is faithful in little... God will make him a ruler over many. Praise be to God. With the little band of people David had, David was faithful. All these people who came from troubling situations, all these people who wanted to kill him when they felt that their families were attacked, David had the nature of Christ in him. Thank you, Jesus. Do you want to be used of God in this new year and in the years to come? Be faithful. Be faithful in what God has given to you. Be faithful. Don't complain. Be a strong vessel, not a fragile vessel. If it falls, it can break. 
be a golden vessel in the hand of the Almighty God, which will not be affected by the weather, it will not be affected by pressure. Be a golden vessel in the hands of the Almighty God. Nothing can tarnish that. Thank you, Jesus. And the fire purifies it. Therefore, God can mold and fill it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take some time in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Give yourself over to the living God. Tell the Lord, Lord, mold me and make me. Don't want to have a weak character, flawed personality, and complain that I'm not like this, my character is not like this, I wish I was like Pastor Kiribati, I wish I can do this. God gives grace to all those who would be willing to lay down their lives. Never open him up and say, I don't have. Nobody's born with everything. Be someone who would be in a position to receive what God has for you. God has the same thing for every single person. It only depends on who will go for it, who will lay down their lives, who will take their eyes off of themselves and place their eyes on God and live for God and not for themselves. Genuinely love God for who He is. God is speaking to your hearts at this time. You want to be strong in faith? You want to be strong in your character? Pay the price for it. Don't look for comfort. Don't look to be comfortable. Don't complain when discomfort comes. Don't be someone when the ground is shaky, start complaining. No matter what you go through, if you have God by your side, it's more than enough for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do you want to have your own spoil? You want to have your own treasure that God has for you? You want to receive your own treasure that God has for you? You need to become what God wants you to be. Not up and down, up and down. In every situation, through every fiery trial, like Jesus Christ, He did not consider himself. He did not look at himself. That's why he was able to do the will of the Father. If you don't look at yourself and you keep your eyes on the Father and live for God and live for the people that God died for, then you too will be able to receive what God has for you, the riches of his treasures, eternal treasures, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take some time in the presence of God and pray. This is your time with God. Give yourself over to the Lord. If you give room for jealousy... You're not going to go forward. Jealousy brings rottenness of bones. 
it'll consume even whatever little you have. There's a time to look at God and say, Lord, change me. If you've fallen short before God, tell the Lord I've fallen short. Change me. Wherever you need grace for from God, receive it at this hour. Have the character. Have the character. To stand the test that will come before you. God knows how much, when, and how. Whatever test God will lead you through, be an overcomer. But keeping your eyes on God, not on yourself. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take some more time in the presence of God. Give yourself over to the living God. You can live a mediocre life or you can live an extraordinary life. God is calling you higher. God is calling you higher. God is calling you higher in this new year. God is calling you deeper. Don't stay where you are and be content with what God has done in your life last year. It's good. But you need to keep moving forward. Any place you arrive and you stay there will become a stagnant water. You want to keep moving. Keep moving forward. God is calling you higher. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give some time for some of you to pray who would like to pray. Commit yourself. Commit yourself to pray. Commit yourself to the Lord and pray as to what God has touched your spirit with this day. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Let the Spirit of God seal His work in your heart at this hour. Take some time in the presence of the Lord and pray. If we just hear it, and don't pray. And just get up and go do the next thing right after the meeting. The whole thing that you heard would be a waste. This is not storytelling time or story listening time. This is the time that we have with God Almighty, where God visits us. What do we do with the visitation of God? You want to seal the work of God? Or you want to let it go? It's up to you. But be someone who would seal it. To open your mouth and pray. And commit yourself to the Lord. I'm going to mute myself. Take some time in the presence of God and pray. Pour out your heart and pray. Stick to the point. You don't have to pray a long prayer. Two minutes will be good so that others can have time to pray. But even if it's two, three minutes, pray from the bottom of your heart. This is between you and God. It's not for me. It's not for others. It's between you and God. So what God has spoken and what God has done in your life, you seal it with your prayers in the presence of the living God. Go ahead and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for such a good words, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, how you have changed David's personality, Lord. He was a little boy. That little boy was so faithful in you, Lord. The same way, Lord. Change my personality, Lord. 
Make me faithful in you, Lord. I don't see the hindrance. I don't see the troubles coming on my way, Lord. Instead, my eyes be on you, Lord. My eyes be on you, Lord. Only on you, Lord. You are the most high king, Lord. You can do everything and anything, Lord. Everything is possible for you, Lord. You can do anything. You can move mountains, Lord. You can vex mountain. You can, you can melt mountain like, like vex, Lord. You can do anything, Lord. You can do anything, Lord. But you wanted to change my personality and that's why those hindrances or that's why the, the, that evil, you let evil enter in my life, Lord. Let me understand that, Lord. Let me understand that, Lord. It's a trial, Lord. It's every single time the trial will mold, mold my personality in a different way, Lord. The way you like, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me that understanding, Lord. Anything happens on the, on the person who is walking with you, Lord, it happens only for the good, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It happens only for good, Lord. And it's it happens by your permission, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And never blame you, Lord. Instead, I check into me, Lord, where I need to change, Lord. What you want me to change, Lord. How you want me to become, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're such a such a great teacher, Lord. You are such a great teacher, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in the mighty name of you, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this word tonight, Lord. I thank you for the reminder that there is no defeat in the path of the cross, Lord, from really the very beginning of tonight, Lord, where Pastor Kruba spoke about David and that his eyes were not on himself when he approached Goliath, Lord. It reminded me of Sunday's word that we must be, um, you know, we must study the word of God. We must become skilled in the word of God and skilled in the river of God. Otherwise, our giants will stand in front of us and mock us, Lord. So I thank you, Lord. I just thank you for that reminder, Lord. I thank you for the example of David, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for his example of how he, despite everything that was going on and despite all that was coming up against him and nobody was standing with him, it said that he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I pray, Lord, for myself, Lord. I pray, Lord, that that would become my immediate response, Lord. That when things happen, Lord, that I wouldn't run to, uh, you know, the phone or anything else, Lord, but that I would strengthen myself in you, Lord, in my God. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for, you know, just all that I've learned tonight, Lord, I want to be a leader. And in order to be a leader, Lord, I must be a follower of you, Lord. That's what David was. And I pray, Father, Lord, I just give myself over to you, Lord. Father, I want to be made a vessel of honor, Lord. So I just yield myself to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I just humble myself before you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, for all that you're teaching, Lord. I just feel like you have given me ears to hear in a way that I haven't heard before. It's just everything is 
speaking to my spirit in such a powerful way, Lord. It's just become so alive to me. And I just thank you, Lord. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that I would be like Jesus, that I would be like David, forgiving, Lord, a person of integrity, a person of humility, a person who loves, a person who makes way for other people's weaknesses, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would create that character in me, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I just thank you. I I sense a shift in my spirit and my ability to just hear and receive the word of God. And I just thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Father. I bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Thank thank you, Sister. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for teaching, Lord, Father. Thank you for teaching that even though that we are alone, Lord, Father, we are not alone because you are with us, Lord, Father. Thank you, Lord, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that uh, even though that enemy can mock at us, Lord, Father, but it's not going to be so long. Lord, it's only for a little time, Lord, Father, that you will come through in every situation, Lord, Father. Thank you for teaching, Lord, Father, to give allowance, Lord, Father, to the people around us, Lord, Father. 